53. So we're going to read Psalm 53, the, um, the entire psalm. So reading Psalm 53. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and their ways are vile. There is no one who does good. God looks down from heaven on the sons of men to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. Everyone has turned away. They have to get together become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Will the evildoers never learn? Those who devour my people as men eat bread and who do not call on God? There they were, overwhelmed with dread, where there was nothing to dread. God scattered the bones of those who attacked you. You put them to shame, for God despised them. Oh, that salvation for Israel would come out of Zion. When God restores the fortunes of his people, let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. This is God's word. Well, good morning, friends. Good to see you all here after Christmas. I'm sure we're all tired. Um, and so I'm going to preach longer to see your perseverance. Uh, and I do hope you've got some nice Christmas presents. Uh, I got Yvonne a vacuum cleaner. In fact, Yvonne ordered it herself. <laughs> and that's a useful present anyway. But we're going to look at this psalm, Psalm 53. Do keep your Bibles open to this psalm. Uh, but let's ask God for his help in understanding this psalm. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we praise you that you speak to us through your word. Your word is living and active. And so we pray that your word will penetrate our hearts, will convict us in the ways we should go and the way we should respond. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it is the last Sunday of the year and only a few days to the new year. And so for, for many of us, with the start of a new year means the start of new things. Start of some things that are fresh. New change of clothes, new socks perhaps. Perhaps a change of course or a change of school. Our youngest son, Ethan, who will start school next year across the road, which means all our kids will be in school. And so we've reached this stage where the worries uh, apparently will increase as they reach their teenage years. We're told to watch out for that when that comes. But New Year might mean a new place to live or New Year might mean a, a new job, new career. Now, not that I'm thinking about this, but I did have a look around what are the great jobs of the world and these are some of them. Uh, how about this for a job, being a Paradise Island caretaker. This man, he won a competition and his job for six months was to swim, to explore, to relax on Hamilton Island in the Great Barrow Reef. And for six months, his package was 150000 Pretty good for a job, right? What about this? This is a bed, a luxury bed. A student from England earned £1,000 a month to test out luxury beds. They talk about sleeping on the job. That's a nice job to have. Um, what about this? This guy, he gets to travel the world to test water slides. 
travels around the world, the greatest theme parks around the world, to test the quality of water slides. I mean, tough job these guys have. Makes me think, what should I do next year? But I'm here, I'm stuck here. <laughs> With great joy. With great joy indeed. Um, well, a new year means for some maybe a change of job, a change of career. But how about this job? Now, this was an advertisement by Ernest Shackleton in 1914 to join his South Pole expedition. And he, he wrote this. Men wanted for hazardous journey, small wages, bitter cold, long months of complete darkness, constant danger, safe return doubtful, honour and recognition in case of success. Now who in their right mind would apply for such a job? Who in their right mind would think about doing such a thing? You'd be considered a fool to do such a thing, right? To join, to do such a job. But you see, I want us to think about this this morning, and that is for us who are Christians, for us who became Christians, for us who call ourselves a disciple of Jesus. Well, in a sense, what we have done, we have signed up to something similar to that. It's a hazardous journey to be a Christian in this world. It's costly to be a Christian, costly to our finances, to our wealth. It's costly to our comfort, costly even to our relationships when some are disowned because they claim the name of Jesus. And for some, it's costly even with their lives. And so in the eyes of our world, I want us to reflect on this this morning, in the eyes of our world, when they look upon us Christians, they see us as fools. They see us as fools who in their right mind would do what we do, who would believe what we believe. You see, when they look at us Christians, they, they think, you guys are fools for believing in God. Dawkins says, how can you believe in God when there is science? You're fools for devoting your whole lives to following Jesus. What type of fool does that? You're a fool for staking your life on the life of Jesus. You see, in the eyes of the world, we are so different. We're actually so strange in this world. We're considered fools and that's why... Christianity, even in our society, which is built on Christian foundations. Christianity is pushed further and further and further into the periphery. And so how are we meant to think about this as Christians? The world sees us as fools. How are we meant to think? Are we fools? Well, you see, the opinion of the world on us is not the only opinion out there. God also has his opinion on us and the opinion of God matters a whole lot more. And so what does God think about Christians? What does God think about this world? What is God's opinion? Well, what you find in this psalm will come as a shock to many of us. So let's have a look. What does God think? Verse 1. Verse 1 says it quite plainly, quite bluntly. The fool is the one who says in his heart, There is no God. You see, it's the complete reversal, isn't it? The world thinks, you Christians who believe in God, you're the fool, but God thinks, no, you who don't believe in God, you are the fool. You see, from God's perspective, he's standing there in heaven and he looks down and he's thinking, I made every one of you. All that you have is given by me and from me. All that you have, the water you drink, the air you breathe, the ground you walk on, the food you eat, 
All of that is from me. I give you life. And so, for anyone to walk this earth and to claim boldly and proudly and unashamedly, there is no God out there. Well, what does God say? God says, what a fool. Can't you see? Can't you see? My fingerprints are everywhere. You look at the intricacies of the single cell to the grandeur of the galaxies out there. They are the fingerprints of God. And so in this psalm, we see this. This is God's opinion. Those who claim there is no God, you're the fool. Now what we also see in this psalm is something interesting. Not knowing God, not recognising that God exists, is not just an intellectual exercise. It's not simply ignorance that's the problem here. Now do you notice in this psalm there's a relationship between knowing God and moral behaviour? There's a connection between knowing God and moral behaviour. We notice two things in this psalm. Those who claim that God does not exist, they're morally corrupt. And those who claim God does not exist, they will be justly judged. They're morally corrupt and they will be justly judged. And so we see this from the rest of verse 1. Have a look at verse 1 again. The fool says in his heart, there is no God, they are corrupt and their ways are vile. There is no one who does good. I mean, that's God's damning assessment on those who don't know him. And it's damning. It's terrible to read this. The human heart is corrupt and evil. Now, if we are honest with ourselves, with what we see and hear in this world, we'd agree with that, won't we? We agree that that is true. There are many things that corrupt the human heart. It's corrupted by power and money and wealth and love and pride and ambition and selfishness. You've heard the old saying, what is it? Power corrupts, absolute power corrupts absolutely. And it's true, isn't it? Even in Australia, Australia is known as one of the most, one of the most ethical nations in the world, one of the least, uh, less corrupt nations around the world. Uh, on the world scale, but yet each state in our nation has its own anti-corruption commission. New South Wales is ICAC, in Victoria is IBAC, and that's because our leaders, our government, cannot be wholeheartedly trusted by its people. You see, the human heart is corrupt. This is God's opinion on the world. It's evil, and that is what God sees. God sees it for what it is. It's as though in this next verse God looks down from heaven. He, he takes a closer look now and what he sees is bad news for everyone. Have a look at verse 2. God looks down from heaven and the sons of men, on the sons of men to see if there are anyone who understands, any who seek God. And so what does God find looking down from heaven? Everyone has turned away. They have together become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. And that is a bad picture, a bleak picture of this world. It is damning. The problem of this world is the problem of the human heart. And that's God's assessment. There is no one who does good. That's terrible news. Now understand that this might be hard for us to understand, for us to admit or accept. You know, the majority of Australians are quite decent, aren't we? But yet this is God's assessment. 
But just so you have an understanding of what the human heart is like and what the human heart is capable of. Do you remember what happened on the 15th of April of 1912? Anyone remember? Important date, big event on the world. Maddie, what was it? Yes, that's right, Titanic. You know that story, Titanic? It was when this white star light, uh, Titanic uh, sank in the North Atlantic Ocean. This is just so you get an idea of what the human heart is capable of. Walter Lord, in his book, he wrote, uh, in his book, A Night to Remember, he recorded that on this famous night, they, they saw the extremes of human behaviour. On, on the one side, there were the beauties of human sacrifice, men offering their spots to women on the lifeboats. But yet, on the other side, that night saw the abysmal cowardice from so many. And so when the Titanic went under, we read stories of self-serving cowardice. Now get this, this is the stats. For the 1,600 people who were not able to get on the lifeboats, which meant they were in the ocean somewhere, only 13 out of those 1,600 were picked up by the 18 half-empty lifeboats that hovered nearby. Do you get that stats? Only 13 were picked up. 18 boats, half empty. In boat number five, when the officer heard the anguish cries of those drowning around, he shouted, let's, let's turn back to the wreck. Let's, let's try to save some people. But yet the passengers on that boat, they, they protested, why should we lose all our lives in this useless attempt to save others from the ship? That officer who wanted to save them, well, he gave in to those on that boat. And so for the next hour, boat number five, with 40 on board, with a capacity, that boat had a capacity for 65. They just listened as those fading cries of the swimmers nearby. And the story was much the same on the other boats. Boat number two, the officer, he asked the lady, shall we go back? They said no. And so boat two, only 60% full. They did not turn back. They just drifted while the people on board listened callously to those drowning. Boat number six, the situation was reversed. Here the women on the boat begged the quartermaster, let's let's turn back, let's save them. But he refused. He painted a vivid picture of those swimming, overturning their boat. And so the women's plead, they grew, but as the cries grew fewer, they gave up. I mean, of the 18 boats, half full, only one boat, only one boat, boat number 14 returned to help. And that was only after one hour after the Titanic's sinking, when the thrashing crowd had already thinned out. I mean, does that give you a picture of what the human heart is capable of? When it comes to it, it is selfish. It is corrupt. It is evil. And that is what God sees when he looks down from heaven. He looks down from heaven and this is what he sees. And so what do you think God will do about it? I suspect for many of us, we're, we're just like God to turn away. Just look the other way, leave us to our own business, we'll sort ourselves out. But you see, God won't turn away. It in fact grieves God's heart that this is happening in his world. In fact, it grieves him that his own people, his chosen people who know him, who love him, 
are being mocked and taunted and harassed by those who don't know him. I mean, this happens in the world today. Not just back then when this psalm happened. It happens today. Our media avoids reporting on it and the Western world wants to turn a blind eye to it. But did you know, and I'm sure you do know, Christians are being persecuted all around the world. Happens daily. You read publications like Barnabas Fun or Voice of the Martyrs and it will become so clear how much Christians are hurting around the world. In the Christmas address from the Israeli Prime Minister last year, not this year, last year, he said this, he recognised how much Christians are suffering in the Middle East. He's a Jewish person, but he recognises, he said this, as you gather, this was his address to the nation, to celebrate Christmas, I am sure you will remember those who are less fortunate because Christian communities across the Middle East are experiencing particularly difficult time. They experience violence, persecution and fear. This has become a daily staple of Christian communities throughout the Middle East. I mean, this is the Jewish Prime Minister, the Israeli Prime Minister, and he sees the reality for Christians. So what do you think God will do about it? Back then, in the time of David, when this psalm was written, what will God do about it today? You see, it grieves him that his people are being hurt and mocked. Those who claim that there is no God, well, for them, there will be judgment. Have a look at verses 4 and 5 with me. Will the evildoers never learn? Those who devour my people as men eat bread and who do not call on God? They, there they were, overwhelmed with dread where there was nothing to dread. They were just going around about their business, about their life, not expecting anything to happen, but judgment will come. And we read on, God scatters the bones of those who attack you. You put them to shame, for God despised them. You see, in the end, God turns things upside down. It won't be those who confess that God is Lord who will be shown to be fools. But it is those who say in their heart that there is no God. They will be shown to be fools. They will be shown that they are morally corrupt and they will experience this just judgment that will come. And so, who then are the wise in God's eyes? If the fools in God's eyes are those who claim he does not exist, who are the wise? Well, it is those who recognise that they are morally corrupt. It is those who recognise they do deserve the just judgement of God, but yet they turn to God. They know God. They love God. They are the wise according to God. You see, in the Bible, it, it talks about the beginning of wisdom being the fear of the Lord. Why is that? You see, to fear God, to revere God, to know God, to love God, that's the first thing about being human. If you do not know that, then you don't know that the first thing about being human, that God is God and that we're not. That is to be wise. And so when you come to know this, you come to know that it's only God who can save us, who can save us from this messed up world. And we see this promise, this hope in verse 6, our final verse. Oh, that salvation from for Israel would come out of Zion when God restores the fortunes of his people. Let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. There is this hope. And so for the nation of Israel, for the people of God during David's reign, they were waiting and waiting and waiting for the salvation. 
and that salvation did not come from their King David. This was in fact David's own psalm. He was the great warrior. He was the great king, but yet he knew he needed a saviour. And so where did that salvation come from? Well, we know the, the psalm is part of the big picture of the Bible, part of one big story, that salvation came through David's greatest son, Jesus Christ. In his coming, we just celebrated a few days ago, in his coming came God's salvation. And so the wise are those who know God. The wise then are those who depend on God for his salvation. Now it's at this point where Christians, according to the world, look even more foolish. Because what's the nature of that salvation? What does that salvation from God look like? A king riding on his horse with all his weapons and army? What does that salvation look like? Well, it looks like the king of heaven born a helpless baby in a manger. It looks like the king of heaven who could not save himself but died the horrible, barbaric death on the cruel Roman cross. That's how God's salvation came about. And this is what you believe, right, as Christians? Do you believe that? Being calling to the world, that is foolishness. That's what they say, the message of the cross the message of Christianity, the message of what you believe, is just foolishness. How can you believe such a thing that you believe and stake your life on a crucified man? But you see, it's only foolishness to those who are perishing. In our first reading, to those who do know God, who know God's salvation, it is the power of God to save. And so when we read in our first reading, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And so this morning, this last Sunday, who are you? You can either be the fool in the eyes of the world or the fool in the eyes of God. Whose opinion matters more to you? The world's opinion on you or God's opinion on you? See, for the Apostle Paul, when he, when he came to understand this, he was more than happy to be seen as a fool in the eyes of the world. And so he, he wrote these words, If we are out of our mind, that is, if we are seen as fools and maniacs and out of our mind, it is for the sake of God. It is for the sake of Christ. It is for the sake of his kingdom. You see, Paul was restless, relentless in giving his life for the sake of Christ. And so as we as a church family look forward to this new year, we must recognise increasingly so, Christianity, what we believe, what we hold dear, will be pushed further and further into the periphery. I mean, if you dare to uphold traditional marriage and to speak out, against same-sex marriage. You'll be seen to be a fool. In fact, they'll start name-calling. You're a bigot or a fundamentalist. If we want to continue to teach our children Christianity, Dawkins will call you a fool for indoctrinating your children with the Bible's fairy tales, what he calls it. And so Christianity is seen as foolishness in the eyes of the world. It's pushed even out of schools. And next year, I'm not sure if you are aware, but 
For many years we have been, had access to the school across the road and many churches had access to the schools around Victoria to teach Christian religious education. But unfortunately that will be no more next year. Christianity is pushed further and further into the periphery. And so you want to be a Christian in this world? You'll be marginalised. You'll be maligned. You'll be discriminated. You'll even be persecuted. And I want us to think, is that what we really want for our children? All that we're doing each week in our Sunday school, in our youth group, in our groups, we're trying to raise the next generation of Christians. And we're teaching them things that will result in them being marginalised and maligned and discriminated and persecuted. Is that what we really want for the next generation, for our church? Is this what we really want? Of course we do. We will not compromise on what God teaches because in the eyes of God we're no fool. In the eyes of God we're no fool. And so as we move together into this new year, let us recognise what, what it is we really signed up for. You know, it might look like the worst job of the, of the world, but let us recognise what we sign up for as Christians. Let's look at that ad again. Hazardous journey. We did sign up for a hazardous journey as Christians. It is hazardous to be a Christian in this world. Small wages. Well, in fact, if you're a Christian, it will cost you your wages because you'll make sacrifices as you learn to be generous and hospitable and giving. And so next year, we, we need to learn this, don't we? Uh, bitter cold. Well, we'll feel it from the world and we'll continue to feel it from the world and we'll maybe make it our effort to be less comf- comfortable for the sake of the kingdom. We'll deny our creature comforts for the sake of the kingdom, but we'll enjoy the warmth of Christian fellowship. Long months of complete darkness. In fact, the world has been in darkness for a long time, but yet that first Christmas the light has dawned. Constant danger. I mean, that's the life of Christians. We can't be too complacent. Constant danger. And it's increasingly so as we voice our views, as we proclaim that Christ is the only Lord and King. Safe return doubtful. You see, many, many who take up the name of Christ, who bear the name Christian in the Middle East, it happens all too often where they are just killed for their faith in Christ. Honour and recognition. Well, here is where it is different. Their honour and recognition in case of success, for us, there will be no doubt of honour and recognition. With Christ, it is different. The outcome for Christians it will be different. There will be, with certainty, glory and honour and recognition for those who are willing to be fools for Christ, for those who are willing to remain unashamed of Christ in this world. There will be glory for the fallen Christians. There will be glory for us when we pass away, for we will be welcomed home to heaven, to our eternal home. Now, you know that story about the Titanic I shared before? It was full of selfish cowardice. Sad story. But yet there were a few who responded quite differently to the cowardice of many. It's claimed that as, just as the Titanic was sinking, the musicians on board, rather than scrambling for a spot on the lifeboat for themselves, rather than find a, a, a spot for themselves to stay safe, to survive, to some it looked foolish, but they continued to play music. 
as the, as the ship was sinking. And it's claimed that the last song that the musicians played was the hymn, Nearer My God to Thee. Perhaps because this band understood the future glory. Perhaps they understood that even if they were to die, there would be honour and glory. Perhaps they understood that even in the eyes of the world, though they look like fools, there will be glory in the end. Now, of course, we don't know what they were thinking, but listen to the last verse of this hymn. In this hymn, There is my father's home, safe and at rest. There is my father's love, my saviour's love, perfectly blessed. Age after age to be, nearer my God to thee. And if that is my future, if that is the future that Jesus guarantees us as the saviour who saves us from this messed up world, if that is the future, if it means that I be a fool in the eyes of the world, I'd rather take that because I know that I'm no fool to God. And so as we begin this new year together, what will we proceed as? We'll go forth as? We go forth as fools for Christ. Fools for Christ. Fools in the eyes of the world, but fools for Christ, for we are no fool to God. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your great salvation for us to save us from this messed up world in your Son Jesus. And so though what we believe and what we hold dear and true is foolishness in the eyes of the world, help us to not seek the approval of the world but your approval, to see that we are no fools to you because we believe in you. And so we pray that as with this church, this church family goes forth next year that we will hold this dear to our hearts. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.